Warning, the following podcast is meant for comedy. We do not condone or support any criminal activity or crimes mentioned. Enjoy yourself. Welcome to the show. I'm Eric. And I'm Scotty. And this is True Criminal, a podcast where we talk to regular people about the crimes they have committed. Uh, so we have guests coming up here in a bit. We're going to be on Call of Duty, although, I mean, we gave a Master Chief to a guy who, like, with all Hula Army. Um, Call of Duty, he didn't seem like he was... But Master Chief's a Halo thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Call of Duty just doesn't really have, like, character names or... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's what he's going to be called the British. British. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's World War Two. <laughs> but yeah, he'll be on here in a minute. Um, there is a piece of uh, a show news or what? An update. I got some housekeeping I got to do. So the very last episode, and Scotty, you probably have not heard this story yet, but in the very last episode, I told a story about some Bombas socks. Okay, so. Bombas socks, they give out, for every pair that you buy, they provide a pair to, like, the homeless or or housing programs and stuff like that. And so, if you buy a pair of socks on their website, their socks are, you know, they're multicolored and they're whatever. But they only release these black socks to the donations to the people that are going out to these housing places and homeless and whatnot. Well, I on the show, I said that I have access to some of these black socks. And so that I actually have some of these homeless black socks, but I want to clarify, I did not steal them from any homeless people. Nobody is losing out on socks because I have access to these black socks, but yes, I have access to them and they were not going to be, or basically they were turned away from, (laughs) and so I end up getting access to them. They were turned away. Like, are you just like... (laughs) <laughs> hanging around shelters and be like, hey, uh, you going to keep those? <laughs> well, okay, first off, I'm going to say, <laughs> when I heard that Bombas only provided these blacks, this is like a year ago, when I heard they only had the black socks for the homeless people, I was like, oh, man, that makes me kind of want some. They're exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I would never buy your regular socks. I want those exclusive ones. But uh, then when I found out that I could get access to some. I was like, sweet. And then someone was like, yeah, and you can just uh, wear them in your shoes so no one will even know that they're the black ones. And I was like, why would I hide that? I want people to see I got the exclusive Bombas. (laughs) But nobody is losing out. I did not steal them. I just, yeah. Do do you have that same mentality when it comes to, like, shelters and shit, too? Like, (laughs) oh, I have to be a battered woman? Fuck this. (laughs) This is not. This is not a case of uh, <laughs> like, oh, there wasn't someone sleeping in that bed, so I went and slept in it. No one's being put out. No, <laughs> I'm not taking a homeless person's bed for the night or their socks off their feet. They were going to be given, and they were basically turned away. They're like, they're like no. I really feel like you're dancing around something saying basically they were turned away. <laughs> Let's say they were a serp. You know, here's what the thing is. Here's the thing. So they just like in my head right now. I have somebody being like, uh, "All right, handing stuff out. Who needs some stuff?" No, no, no. Oh, nobody raised their hand. I'll give them to Eric. 
on the, if you listen to their ads, they'll say, yeah, and for every pair you buy, we provide some to the homeless. Well, they don't go to just the homeless. They go to, like, uh, what are those things? Like, they go to places that work with the homeless and housing places and things like that. And so those people give them out to, you know, people that are, yeah, in low-budget housing or, you know, stuff, you know. And some, a lot of them do go to shelters and stuff like that. But they're not, it's not like people from Bombas are walking around downtown Dallas handing out socks to people. No, they go, they just donate large shipments to these, these places that help and the distribution and whatnot. Well, not all of those people are homeless. Some of them, like I said, just live in housing or stuff like that. And a lot of people that live in housing are fine. <laughs> just because they're, they're actually on government housing. They also, yeah, some of them have jobs. Some of them, some of them, yeah, they don't make a lot of money, but some of them do just fine. And they don't need socks. <laughs> so that's kind of the case here. <laughs> you know, some people. No, I don't. <laughs> some people only like crew cut socks, or some people only like I fancy dresses. I feel socks. like the more you tell the story, the more it sounds like you're covering something up. I'm not covering anything up. I just, I just happened to get access to the black socks, and I was like, sweet. And, yeah, the way I heard about it, it was like, hey, yeah, there's these socks. You know, we can just throw them away or donate them or something, turn them into sock puppets. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'll take them. That's how it was. Mm. I didn't steal it. Nobody's being put out. There's plenty. Of, and then, so, Bombus, if you want to sponsor us, I didn't, I didn't steal <laughs> your socks. <laughs> I'd go buy some Bombus socks just to, so they could replace them, but... I don't like any of them but the black ones. All the rest of them are like gray with plaid pink and green stuff. I don't know. Now you make me feel like I gotta buy some Bombas socks. <laughs> so that they'll donate the ones that I have. Yeah. Uh. Well, if they sponsor us. all about them. stealing from the needy. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways, just had to clarify that. That was. I said that in the last episode, just in case. It sounded like I stole from the homeless. I did not. All right. So, Scott, welcome back. Thanks. <laughs> have you committed any crimes since the last time you were on the show? I have not. Wow. I think maybe. Did you have a good holiday? I did, yeah, yeah. It was fun. I mean, New Year's, didn't do anything because COVID is ridiculous right now. Yeah, yeah. It's so, possible I have COVID right now. So. Ugh, sick. Yeah, I, know. I already knew that. I know. <laughs> we already had a conversation about it. <laughs> and the conversation went like this. I've, I've been dogging on people that get COVID for so long now. I got my shot, you know, Got I got the booster now, and I've been like, oh, people who get COVID nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Out there just other people. <laughs> And now it turns out I may have COVID. <laughs> I, uh, I have this cousin, and I don't know him that well. We knew each other pretty well, like, growing up, but haven't actually talked to him. But he recently got it just, like, a few weeks ago. And I just saw on his Facebook thing that he has all the symptoms again <laughs> and scheduled the testing and stuff. Like he got it a few weeks afterwards. Yeah, if you're getting it twice in one month, like, <laughs> you, you are nasty. Fucking dirty. 
<laughs> well, to be fair, if I did get it, I will say I was up to something nasty. <laughs> and he works at Coney Islanders. So oh, my God. Next time. Yeah, you love Does that place. Oh, yeah. my God. I hope. Oh, my God. Well, I recognize your cousin, so. I don't know. He's pretty unrecognizable. <laughs> <laughs> he can only be unrecognizable if he cleaned himself up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, you'd recognize. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, although I mean, I haven't been. He's going to be working at one in mission failed or something, right? I don't think so. No, I'll stay. I'll. I won't. I'll stop someone. We'll get him next time. They don't allow people like him. In. We'll get him next time. So. Like I, I don't know. I really don't know anything about the guy. But, like, I know, I mean, I guess he uh, recently got divorced from this woman that ain't older than him. It was mm. weird looking. <laughs> but, uh, he was work. I think he was working at, like, McDonald's or something and, like, moved in with his mother. And she was having to drive him to work. And my mother said that she's having to drive him, like, 20 or 30 minutes away or something. So I don't know where, which McDonald's he was working at. But then just recently switched over to Coney, Coney Island. Islander. So I, I feel like it has to be somewhere not too far away for him to be driven there by his mother. Uh, man, I've mentioned Coney Islander so many times on this show. I think they were about to sponsor us. Now they're not. Now they know. No. no. <laughs> I, I love Coney Islander. <laughs> Uh, I I think I told you the story when my girlfriend and I first started dating four years ago. Uh, I took her to Tulsa just to take her to the All-American Flea Market. Mm. And I was like, oh my god, you have to Coney Island here. So we <laughs> went and we went inside to eat. Usually I'd always just gone through the drive through but she wanted to get out of the car and stuff. So we get in line, order our shit, and... Uh, like, it's kind of that cafeteria line that you stand in, you know? Yeah. And they're like, okay, we'll have that right out to you. And I was like, uh, need to pay for it? And uh, he was like, no, it's already been taken care of. And then, like, point back to this uh, much older woman in the back making ponies. And I was like, oh, okay. And then we went and sat down, and uh, my girlfriend was like, oh, my God, we just got free food? How? And I was like, oh, you stayed that woman. He's like, what? <laughs> you dated her? Like, probably loud enough for that woman to hear. <laughs> it took me a minute to stop laughing and even tell her I was joking. Oh, I love Coney Island. Yeah, me too. I bring it up all the time. In fact, uh, I went on the Let's Talk About Stuff podcast, uh, guessing with them. Yeah. And part of the segment we talked about because they asked if I had anything I wanted to talk about on the show and I said I want to talk about Coney Island <laughs> and then so yeah we talked about Coney Island on their show <laughs> so uh, I like I, the ones that like you can tell have been there for a long time yeah like they have the old vintage signs and stuff yeah like the one on 11th or mm -hmm. Admiral yep oh so, yeah 
Con- that's Coney Islander talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, Was this your plan? <laughs> Do you just want to talk about Coney Islander on every podcast? <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want Coney Islander to sponsor this podcast. You want him to sponsor you. Um, it came up naturally. You brought it up. <laughs> I did not steer this. You started talking about your your weird cousin. <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get him a job there. In fact, I wouldn't have got him a job there. So yeah, I wouldn't have given him a job there. <laughs> All right, but yeah, no crimes. I I don't think I've done anything crazy. You know, not since last week. Anyways, still taking. Did you my- get anything cool for Christmas? Not really. mostly get you know kids stuff kids don't get me anything you know Rachel and I get each other some small things but yeah nothing worth nothing crazy um all right well I guess we can roll it to the interview coming at you now it's Call of Duty All right, so you're familiar with the show, and yeah, we uh, we just talk to regular people about the crimes they've committed. Um, have you? Oh, do you already have a story in mind? I have three set up for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've already established you've never been arrested. You haven't had encounters with the cops though before. Uh, not on these particular stories. That was the whole uh, value of sharing them is that w- they were somewhat misdeeds that uh, went unpunished. You know, I'm my, like most kids. I was pulled over for, uh, you know, drunk test and stuff, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm a good Christian boy, went to a Catholic high school. You know, we never did anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know you won't be the first person who have been on here to say that. So, <laughs> all right. So what, what do you, what did you have prepared? Well, uh, my first story is about the leisure time that uh, teenagers have. You know, you're you're too young to really legally go out and get drunk and and too old to be sitting around the house. Uh, so uh, me and my buddies were out just cruising is what it was called back in the days, uh, looking to meet girls or doing whatever. And we usually ended up in some mischievous uh, trouble. And this one time we have uh, a real hilly area in uh i'll just say northern california and there was a nearby gas station that had a bunch of old tires and uh we were driving our uh uh, there was a couple cars full of guys and one guy had his own piece of crap car and and the other guy actually had his parents car and it i don't know if you realize but right below the window there's a little ledge and it turned out it was perfect to hold a tire on just outside your your door windows right so on each side, you can hold a full-size tire. And uh, so we would what we would do is get up to a decent amount of speed. And as soon as we crested the hill, we would let these tires go, brake and let the tires go. And they would go flying down the hill and pick up speed. And it was amazing. A couple of them went on for several blocks. However, a few of them went slamming up into people's porches with a, a fair amount of ferocity in it. And uh, we weren't aware of any damage we caused. But let's just say if there was uh, anybody in the house, uh, somebody was at the door <laughs> as these tires went rolling up. And, and if some of them caught the stairwell just right, went right up into the uh, 
front door. So uh, <laughs> that was that was story number one. The exciting now, I, use of used tires. You're uh, now when you're going over these hills. First off, did the did the word road itself have a name? I mean, growing up, I, we had a hilly area. We called it. It was just called like Keatonville Hill, but a lot of people called it like the Devil's Backbone or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I live, I still live uh, just uh, a block off this road um, that had uh, Devil's Curve on it. And it was that because back in the uh, uh, 60s and 70s, well, mm -hmm. I'll say the 70s, it was all cornfields and it was a two lane road. And all of us used to go out to drag race, but it had this one sharp turn and the tree was all scarred from people that hadn't mm -hmm. made the turn right and one time i was in my buddy had gotten a brand new mercury capri and uh we came up on this other car and he was kind of proud of his new car and uh we went off on a race down this road and we lost control during that turn we didn't hit the tree luckily but we uh, went down into the ditch on the right side spun around backwards went back over the road just missing the guy we were racing went through the other ditch and went flying through this cornfield. Mm. And all you could hear was the thump, 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 thump <laughs> of the corn slapping on the back hood because we're going backwards through the cornfield. And the guy, we finally came to a stop and the owner of the car, Jimmy, was freaked out because it was a brand new car. And he was in drive initially. This is a... a, a a manual drive car. So he was in drive, but during the incident, it had, he didn't know this. It had popped out of uh, drive and we were basically in neutral. And that's why we went so far, but he thought he totally effed up his transmission yeah, yeah. going backwards <clears throat> at that speed. Here's the uh, ironic uh, end of that story. Jump forward uh, 20 years and all those cornfields uh, were turned into homes. And uh, I ended up, uh, buying and building a home that probably not exact, but pretty close to where our car ended up after that drag race. <laughs> and they took the curve uh, out of that road, but the tree is still there and you can still see the scars from previous decades accidents. It's a <laughs> wild, uh, wild situation, but yeah. So the, uh, oh, oh, go ahead. No, you're good. The, uh, the tire thing, I actually, uh, that sparked a memory when I was not old enough to go into bars, but old enough to get in vehicles with friends and do so. On the weekend, I kind of live in a smaller town, Abel, Arkansas, and there's a Fiesta Square. It's just a little like strip mall type area. And at the time, there was a Hastings and a grocery store and a movie theater. And on weekends, because the only thing at the time that would be open would be the movie theater, people with vehicles would just line up in this giant circle and we called it cruising fiesta square oh. <laughs> yeah. and it was just like slowly moving people with speakers would like crank it up and then there was like tons of parking spots and stuff and yeah it was absolutely dumb well, and it's, it's uh kind of like um you know uh the movie about the 50s only this is the 70s but i'm in sacramento california the capital of the state and there's a an actual, well, it doesn't happen anymore, but we used to cruise up J Street and down L Street and just go round and round and you'd yell at other guys, but then yeah. you'd whistle and try to pick up cars full of girls. And 
uh, my buddy once, uh, we were, we had parked and we were standing on the side and just screaming at the cars as they went by. <laughs> it was kind of stupid. My buddy, uh, bent over and shot a BA at a car full of girls. <laughs> and just at that moment, a state police guy came up and actually arrested him for, uh, Indecent exposure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so sad. The guy was so freaked out. He was labeled a sexual predator. <laughs> and all he did is, is like 17 years old, flash a BA at a car full of girls. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you don't think about the uh, uh, end result when you're just goofing around. You know, you're just out having oh, yeah. fun. Uh, my other story took place on a pretty major road here in Sacramento, South Sacramento called Broadway. And it's not like Broadway in New York, but it has a lot of commercial, no homes. It's all commercial. And we were driving around looking for trouble one night and just one car full of guys, four guys. And uh, and, and by the way, I should make a side note. There was never any girls involved. <laughs> I don't know if we'd done such stupid crap if there were girls involved, but it was just guys being stupid. Well, there was an actual U-Haul trailer rental business on one of these corners and there was no fencing, no chains. And we got out of the car and we went and grabbed one of those 14 foot trailers. And we were able to actually roll it off the property <laughs> out into the middle of the street and turn it up, <laughs> tails up so that the tongue of the trailer was aiming for the stars. And it was right in the middle of Broadway. It looked so great. It was so much fun to do. We didn't really cause any damage, except I'm sure the people from U-Haul weren't thrilled. But uh, <laughs> uh, that that uh, was a, a night full of laughs. <laughs> um, so when you were talking about that, your uh, vehicle that you thought your friend thought he had fucked his transmission up, man, that made me think like when I was like 20 years old, I had a, a manual transmission vehicle and I was driving one day, and I always just wondered like, what happens if you pop it into gear while you're going? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, if you try to do it personally, because it's like everybody that's trying to learn a manual, it'll yeah. just grind. Yeah, but, yeah. That's how I found out. <laughs> but what my buddy was worried about is what everybody would think is that if you're going, and we were in a drag race, so we're going pretty fast. Now, you know, this was back in the 70s, so fast <clears throat> might have been uh, 60 miles an hour on a two-lane country road. But still, if you're in drive you're in you know he was probably an overdrive or fourth gear and then to spin around and be going backwards yeah if it had not popped out of in the neutral of course it would have ripped his transmission to a heck but uh i i didn't fin give you the end of that story he was just almost in tears he was so upset about the the uh accident we pulled out of the cornfield and drove up and the guys we were racing were waiting at the end of the line you know, kind of wanted to make sure we were alive, but didn't want to go near us in case the cops showed up or something. And we did an inspection of the car. And for some reason, the Mercury uh, Capri in that year had a little backup light that stuck down from the, the lower bumper, maybe two inches. And it was plastic for some reason. And that had broken. So the, the backup light on the back of this Capri was kind of hanging by the wires. Other than that, he had no damage to the car. It was a minor miracle. Oh, yeah, I forgot to ask who, who won the race. Oh, well, we were <laughs> we were winning by evidence that when we spun around backwards and shot over the road, uh, we just missed them uh, front to, you know, we cut across right in front of them. And they thought, you know, we had died, and that's why they didn't 
stopped to help us. They were uh, good, wholesome American boys and just went on and waited at the end of the road to make sure <laughs> to see what happened. Over the finish line, though. They went over the yeah, finish line. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they, they ended up winning by finishing the race. But, uh, you know, back then you weren't racing. It, it wasn't like they see in the movies where you're racing for pink slips and stuff. We were. It was just all testosterone, you know, and revving up cars and being stupid. Yeah, that's what you did when you're a kid. Yeah, I never had a car that was nice enough to race, but I did like to pull up next to nice cars and pretend like I was going to race them. <laughs> and then they'd shoot off and you'd be sitting there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most times they'd laugh. they look at my, my crappy car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I get it. Okay, well, yeah, sure, why not? A little entertainment out in the street. Yeah. But All right, uh, so your third story. Okay, this is the the this is what I call a dumb Scott story. Um, I have done I have so many dumb Scott life. stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Scotty, um, but this is one that I could have, you know, literally died, and uh, was just too drunk, uh, drunk and stupid to uh, care at the time. So I'm in Sacramento, and just about uh, thirty miles uh, northwest of us is the college town of Davis, California. And 17, 18, 19 years old, we, I bought, <laughs> I bought a VW camper van because. The actual camper style that extends on top? Yeah, exactly. Nice. And it had a, a bed in it. Imagine I got some use out of that. And it had a refrigerator <laughs> in it. And we would load it up with alcohol. And the great thing about those is if you get pulled over by the cops, they can't legally search the back without a, a warrant. Because it's considered a home. I don't know if you uh. So we could keep all the booze we wanted and not be afraid of getting pulled over. Of course, you know, if you're drinking, that's stupid. But, you know, we were on the way to party. So we every uh, few weekends, we would go to Davis and crash the fraternity parties. Now, me and none of my buddies were uh, college-type people, uh, more uh, blue-collar, hardworking types. We didn't go to college. But it was still fun to go to the college town, Davis, and crashed the frat parties and stuff. And so we had done that. We had gone and we had crashed two or three parties and uh, uh, caused some mayhem and just ran around uh, stupid and we were drinking the whole time. And it was time to come home. And this Volkswagen was a manual Volkswagen. You got a picture of that, right? And and I think it was only a, a three-speed. I don't even think they had a four-speed then. Mm -hmm. And we're driving back from Davis. And like I said, it's about a 30-minute drive and there's this big, long causeway on the highway and we're flying along about, you know, I don't know, 60, 65 miles an hour. And my buddy Mac is sitting next to me and I'm drunk and I'm <laughs> depressed or something. I don't really remember what was going on. And I, you asked about the camper with the top. So my, yeah, yeah. my camper had like this hatch. So uh, while I'm driving along and I'm driving cause nobody else can drive a stick. I just get up and leave and go out the hatch. <laughs> and my buddy Mac has to grab the steering wheel it's 60 miles an hour, 65 miles an hour. He's screaming at me. I don't know how to drive this thing. He ended up moving over into the driver's seat. I went out the hatch and ended up sitting Indian style on the luggage rack. Now, not only is that stupid on a freeway and stupid at 65 miles an hour, but the small metal luggage rack on the top of this thing was held on by four thumb screws. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, and I'm a, you know, 200, you know, 20 pound teenager or something. It was totally 
crazy stupid. The thing could have popped off. I could have rolled off. Any number of things could have gone wrong. Instead, while Mac is screaming at me because he's taken over the driving and he doesn't know how to drive a stick, so he doesn't know how he's going to stop, he keeps going at 65 miles an hour because we're on the freeway causeway. My other buddy, Bob, all of a sudden, I'm sitting Indian style on the back of this luggage rack, and I see his head come up, almost like a puppet, right? <laughs> and he goes, uh, Scott, y- you might want to come in. <laughs> this isn't really safe. You need to come in. And I argued with him for a little bit. And eventually, he conjoled my drunken ass back head first into the hatch and just plopped into the, the back of the car, stupid drunk. And that was me risking my own life doing something totally asinine. And the end of the story was one of the other guys that he didn't know how to drive a stick, but he kind of understood what a clutch was, was uh, able to explain to Mac uh, once we got off the causeway how to pull over and and, and stop. But uh, uh, that's my third life risking story of <clears throat> stupid crap when I was a kid. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and totally illegal. I mean, yeah. you know, I know that there's been some people that would go down the street, what's it called, car surfing? Yeah. You know, uh, 20 miles an hour, you know, 30 miles an hour. So imagine that it's 65 miles an hour, this guy sitting Indian style on a luggage rack. <laughs> was it, I, maybe I missed it. What time of day was this? Oh, I, well, we were coming back from parties. It was, you know, oh, not, yeah, two, three in the morning. Okay. Yeah, no, no, it was late. We had gone to Davis to, to party with the frats and uh, we'd gotten drunk and we were on the way home and, you know, it was late. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you've never, I mean, aside from these three stories, have you ever had encounters actually with the cops? Cops come confront you, anything like that? No, I, I uh, like I said, uh, good Catholic boy. I uh, always was pushing the, the lines of uh, stupidity in, in legal law. But and, and I've been pulled over, uh, you know, several times for, you know, a <coughs> supposed drunken driving. But I always pass the test because uh, despite this one time, I generally don't uh, drive too intoxicated, even when I was a teenager. And there was one time. We went to this, there was this liquor store that everybody in town knew would sell liquor to teenagers. And we had bought, you know, I don't know, $20 worth of cheap beer. And we had not gotten one block away that we got pulled over. Now we were smart. We didn't put it in the car. We put it in the trunk, but the cops made us open the trunk, you know, took the beer for themselves and sent <laughs> us on our way. <laughs> well, you know, they could have been confiscating it and just throwing it out. <laughs> well, yeah, putting yeah. it in the evidence locker. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Scotty. You got it right. That's what it was. But uh, no, Eric. To, to answer your question, there was no uh, brush with the law that uh, would be of any more excitement. Uh, these three stories were just things that, uh, to this uh, day, uh, decades later, part of me feels a little guilt and 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 uh, uh, felt bad for the people that might have gotten uh, put out of their way. But uh, a tire in the front door. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that I cannot imagine that thing did not cause damage. I just, it's hard. I, I well, didn't know what the hill was. Like. We didn't stick around <laughs> to to see how much damage might have been caused. We just thought it was so cool watching <laughs> these tires flying down the hills and some going up in houses, some hitting cars, and then uh, several of them just kept going. I mean. You know, down around the corner where we couldn't see, it was hilarious. <laughs> there's, a, there's a video from 
several years ago where like it's just security footage of somebody filling up their gas tank and an ire from like off of the nearby road like just plows them over and it looks like it murders them. <laughs> wow. It, you might have done okay, that. Though. It might have been your tire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It just kept going and ended up in the video. I mean, um, I imagine the one in the video, like, the wheel came off of a vehicle, so it actually had the wheel as well. Oh. But, but still, uh, a tire's pretty... Uh, yeah, no, they're, 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 you know, they have some uh, weight to them, especially uh, uh, what was interesting, the used tires, is we actually were doing a, a little bit of theatrical testing on the ones that were worn if they tended to turn right we did this <laughs> enough times that we could tell by the shape of the used tire if it was going to go straight or make a left or a right it was it was our scientific experiment <laughs> tell you what you, you reminded me of one more you have time for one more yeah absolutely so um again uh we're in uh, sacramento in in the side streets of a place called land park and uh, in my buddy's car, but he was driving his parents' car. And you were, it, what made me remind me of this, you said brush with the law. And what happened was uh, it had been raining just torrentially here in Sacramento. We get these big rains every once in a while. And we're driving along. And what's funny is the guy, it was an old Rambler, four-door Rambler um, sedan, and it had a bag lifter. So it was, like, you know, right? And you could just always hear it coming and going. So we're driving along and the the streets are all flooded. And we spot up ahead of us uh, a city worker just getting out of his truck to clear a huge flooded area in the street. And we all look at my buddy, Bob, who was driving. And he just knew. We didn't even say anything. And he hit it. And we came up and this guy... And hit this puddle just as the guy was reaching in for his raincoat. <laughs> and he, the poor guy, this wave of water just washed over him, <laughs> over his inside of the truck, over his nice dry coat. He didn't have his, his rain gear on, so he got soaked. Just as, you know, in his mind, what he heard was whoosh. And then we drive away. Right. And it, we're just laughing our asses off. And we look in the rearview mirror and this guy was so pissed. He had jumped into his truck, put on the emergency lights and stuff and was chasing, us. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but he was in this big county, you know, sewer truck. We, we easily made two or three turns and got away. In fact, we, we, saw him go shooting by looking for us with his lights going and everything. <laughs> and it was a maintenance truck. So it was no siren or anything, just lights. <laughs> I got to tell you, we never forget the look in this guy's face because he's just getting out of the truck. He turns just in time to see us and see this huge wave <laughs> and just the look in his face. I got to tell you, I'll never forget. <laughs> it was kind of that. Oh shit. Look, <laughs> I've never the reason it's a brush with uh, uh, the police was we went about our evening uh, causing trouble and trying to pick up girls and cruising. And we got home late that night uh, after midnight and we parked the car and me and we dropped off our buddies and me and Bob walk up to the door. And as he's opening the door, his father 
opened the door and greeted us. And it was like, boys. <laughs> and he sat us down and said we had just missed the police had come by and that they they apparently had spotted the license plate on the car uh, and turned us in. You know, there wasn't anything we'd really done wrong. Yeah. But they the police had shown up and lectured the uh, father uh, and the father, uh, trust me, dug into us a bit. Um, and we, we felt uh, uh, very ashamed. Our Catholic guilt was at a high point. <laughs> Were uh, any of the frat parties that you frequented, were they ever, like, broken up by police or campus there was security? There parties we had gone to that the, the police would break up for noise mm-hmm. violations and stuff. None of the frat parties, but they were a lot looser on campus and the dorms and stuff. Yeah. Uh, usually the guys that were supposed to be supervising the dorm were the guys throwing the parties. So <laughs> there yeah. wasn't uh, too much trouble there. And when you're inside a... Uh, dorm building and partying uh the, the, you know the neighbors aren't close enough or care you know they know what's going on there was a few house parties i was at that got uh, asked to tone it down nothing that got broken up and you know this was the the 70s the uh early 70s late 60s early 70s i'm old and there was a different attitude it was you know you weren't you know the kids were kind of more on their own and and there weren't uh you know, six or seven o'clock or when it gets dark kind of curfews. We, we were pretty running free at that point, you know, and, yeah. uh, uh, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't, uh, shootings and all kinds of these risks that you care about your kids. Now it's, it seems more dangerous now. I don't know if it really is, but there's a sense. Yeah. The cops, but the cops were definitely more, you know, kids will be kids about things than, Right, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, even when we got pulled over, the guys took the beer. I mean, it was kind of like wink, wink, nod, nod. Don't do this again. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, almost like saying, all right, we'll see you next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my we brand. We need to stock up. <laughs> the evidence locker is getting low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple quick things uh, that we usually ask people. So drugs. <clears throat> have you have you done any drugs? No, I, I mean, uh, you know, I tried marijuana. It was a big thing back then. Of course, marijuana was so weak in those days, it wouldn't even qualify as pot now. But uh, uh, it was ragweed back in those days. And I'm asthmatic. So I tried a couple times and almost choked to death and, and coughed my head off. And I just told my buddies, you know, I'll stick to uh, bourbon and beer and they could divvy up the pot. But I did own a chain of comedy clubs for over 21 years. And the it was during the 80s, so I'm not unfamiliar with uh, drug activity. I actually had uh, a situation where a comic, a uh, road comic, kind of famous one, was chasing me around the green room with a, a spoonful of Coke. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Come on, you know, don't be a pussy. Take it, take it. You know, uh, of course, I never did. I didn't uh, openly allow drugs in my clubs, but uh uh, you know, it was around and you just, you know, uh, they weren't allowed to do it in front of me and, and uh, they weren't allowed to perform if they were drunk or stoned. So uh, I didn't let anybody uh, drink before they performed. Uh, but, you know, it was around. But me personally, no, nah, I'm I'm a, a weak ass that way. I never even tried it, which, you know, knock on wood. Now that I'm older, I'm probably lucky I didn't. <laughs> 
Uh, it, it was around. I was one time I was in high school and some kid slipped me this little pill and said, hey, here's some acid. Have some fun. But, you know, looking back, it probably could have been a, ch- you know, children's aspirin. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I've never heard of acid as a pill, but maybe it does. I've never done acid, so no. Yeah, yeah. This was, again, and that, that would have been uh, the late 60s. And, you know, hey, have some a tab of acid, you know. And I I didn't take it. He gave it to me. You know, you'll enjoy history class on this shit, you know. <laughs> uh, vandalism. I know you're. Your tire incidents definitely counts as kind of a vandalism thing, but you ever do any pranks, ever TP a house, spray paint something, anything like that? You know, my my son was a professional tagger for a while, and I never really quite understood that, except that he had a lot of uh, artistic angst, and that was his way to get it out. Now he still does it, but he does it with permission. But me personally, I'm not that artistic and never did any tagging. I I know I did some... uh, um, papering of houses. I'll tell you one that most people don't know that uh, became kind of a tradition for my group of high school friends is that we would call it signing a house. And the parents were really not happy with this, but the, the kids always got a big laugh out of it. We would drive around and collect road cones, those orange cones, yeah. stop signs, uh, little, those wooden billboards for realtors, and, and, you know, uh, retail stores, they would leave them out back in those days. They didn't chain them up, uh, open house signs, a lot of for, for sale signs. We'd pick up 10 or 20 of these and then go over to the one guy that didn't go out with us that night. Right. And just cover his lawn, you know, pound him into the ground and set them all over the place so that when his parents got up in the morning, they'd been signed and there'd be 20 or 30 of these various, you know, flashing construction signs, <laughs> rename it, you know, all kinds of crap on their lawn. And and that was kind of a tradition for us. And everybody, I think, got hit one time or another. If you didn't go out with your buddies, you were more likely a target. There was a, a, a short time, and this one I actually feel pretty guilty about, because now that I'm an adult and I've had to uh, uh, pay for repairs, I'm a little more aware. <laughs> but there was, there was one night we went out and we'd been doing a little drinking, and we drove down this one street and we just kind of ripped off the side view mirrors of every car <laughs> parked on the street. I mean, it was horrible uh, vandalism at the time, but, you know, we didn't give a shit. We didn't know. You know, we just. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was riding around with this guy. Was, this guy, uh, he was a Mexican guy and he hadn't been here that long. We drove past this house and there was toilet paper all over it and it was just destroyed. You, you know, the kids the night before had just egged it and toilet papered it. And he was like shaking his head, so disappointed. He's like, didn't understand why the kids act this way. And I was just like, oh man, he's got to let it go. <laughs> They're kids. Yes. It's a waste of paper. <laughs> I just tried to explain. I was like, if it happened to me, you know, I guess I'd just be like, oh darn. You know? Well, you know, it was I funny mean, was that it was it was meant to be annoying, but usually it was the most popular kids yeah. that their friends would do it to them. So if you got uh, TP'd, you were kind of the maybe the popular kid in the school. But you know, there, there's. Uh, Everybody's got a different story. These various stories are just uh, high school hijinks, I guess you would say, that uh, I'm sure caused some property damage. We never got caught. I mean, if we'd gotten caught, there, you know, there were laws against yeah, pretty yeah, much definitely. everything we were doing. 
but uh, we were just blessed and lucky that we never got caught. Or we were smart. I don't know. I don't think that's the truth. <laughs> I think it's that what happens is when you get a teenager and mix it with cheap beer, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever heard of the signing thing. Yeah. And I really like it. I like it too. Oh, it was a, <laughs> it was great, especially when you got a few of those construction flashers. Yeah. Or or uh, you know really unique signs. One time we found this like ten foot tall wooden uh a frame for a map store god knows why there was a map store but <laughs> anyway i mean it was huge and it propped up right in the middle of this guy's yard it was hilarious and you know, the thing we didn't think about or care about is when the parents got up and saw this mess what did they do with all the signs <laughs> you know yeah. you got for sale signs and construction a frames and flashing lights and stop signs you know i don't know what they did with them all but uh um, it was fun doing it. <laughs> yeah, like it, and there was no really hard for have, me not to go out as an adult and do that. <laughs> right, we didn't have uh, uh, you know phones with cameras in them, so there's no physical evidence. But it was a blast, and it always looked really cool. <laughs> I, I feel like you could maybe slowly drive somebody crazy by like just putting a for sale sign in the yard <laughs> once every other week or something. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Scotty. There was one guy that uh a, an asian buddy of mine jim who his parents didn't let him out as often as the rest of us <clears throat> he got signed more than anybody and after about the fourth time he came to school and going come on guys please you're killing me you know, my, <laughs> my parents have had it and i just imagine these these older asian parents not understanding all these signs every week showing up on their yard oh yeah no i definitely i, I mean i don't I don't encourage it for anybody out there listening. <laughs> yeah, these, if somebody these does that, I really advice. like to see these some pictures. Mistakes I mean. <laughs> yeah. There are phones with cameras now, so if I happen to yeah, see it. exactly. Well, it is, you know, you, that's a great point, Eric. It's a different time. I was saying earlier how we would have more freedom because there seemed to be less crime and rape and shootings and stabbings and stuff. Uh, but the reality is there were no cameras uh, to witness yeah. all this. Yeah. Now every home's got a ring camera or a security camera. Everybody's got a phone. If they see something, they whip it out. I mean, it'd be a much bigger risk to do any of this uh, shenanigans. There's an old word. Uh, if you were to try to do this <laughs> stuff today, back in the sixties and seventies, it was the technology and the awareness uh just wasn't there you know all you ended up with is a lot of angry parents and confused police yeah. <laughs> okay so um you uh you ran some comedy clubs i know i read on some of your 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 info on pod match you had some i mean so bob saget just recently passed away i saw you had some some at least some stories or not story but you like met him obviously oh no we were very good friends he helped me get started i uh opened the 12th comedy club in the United States in 1980. Um, I had opened the club because I had met Dave Couillet at a satellite version of the comedy store in uh, Westwood, California. And I thought, man, I would love uh, Sacramento was kind of a sleepy cow town back then. No professional sports, no theater, you know, none of that stuff. And I thought, man, a comedy club would just uh, do would rock. But I didn't, you know, I was, uh, 23 at the time. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I spent time in LA and Dave introduced me to Bob Saget. And then they introduced me to Gary Shandling. And then I met George Wallace. 
And I, I, I was always asking questions of other club owners and these comics. What do I need to do to make the right kind of club that's going to be a success? And it was Dave Couillet and Bob Saget specifically that really helped formulate the outline that I used to open and operate my club. And then um, when I opened in August of 1980, my very first opening act, paid, uh, I paid him $150 for a week of work. It was his first gig out of Phoenix, Arizona, his hometown. Uh, the opening act was Gary Shanley. And uh, just the very next week, Dave Couillet and Bob Saget came up. In fact, uh, a great side story, Bob Saget was the uh, warm-up guy for a new TV show called Bosom Buddies <laughs> back in that time. And he brought Tom Hanks in for a week. Tom was going to do a comedy set for the Bosom Buddies sitcom and didn't know what he was doing. So I taught him how to do stand-up, the mechanics of doing stand-up. And Bob Saget wrote the material for him. And he used my stage night after night to practice the set. He went down and shot it. And about two weeks later, we saw it on the show, Bosom Buddies. So that was really cool to get to work with uh, Tom Hanks. Of course, he wasn't Tom Hanks at the time. Yeah. He was just a, a young comic actor. But uh, that was a great experience. And then one of my favorite stories is um, I was sitting after a show uh, at a cocktail table with uh, Bob Saget, Dave Coulier. And we're just drinking and Bob and Dave are cracking each other up and laughing. And, and I feel like this third wheel. I was just, you know, uh, finally, and I'm the boss. I'm paying him, right? I said, hey, 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 what the hell's going on? Let me in on the joke. And Dave brings up this piece of, piece of paper. And Bob Saget had gotten some table lint from under the table, wrapped it up in a piece of paper. And on the paper wrote, Dave, here's some of my pubic hair just for you. <laughs> and they were passing this note back and forth. And it, it, it taught me early on that when you're in comedy to make somebody that lives that life laugh, you kind of have to go to that next level. Right. So so pranking each other and in, in gay jokes and and sharing pubic hair, I guess, were all ways that professional entertainers try to crack up other professional entertainers. But uh, Bob was very instrumental, and, and thank you for asking about that. In fact, uh, my podcast, Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC, just Wednesday, I released a 20-minute tribute to Bob where I talk about our friendship and I share a couple TV commercials he made for me and uh, the some audio of him. He came back after America's Funniest Videos was on and after he was on uh, Full House for a couple of years, he and Dave Coulier came back and starred in my uh, 1990 10th anniversary uh, ha uh, New Year's show. And I have audio from that. So I share some of his bits mm. on that show. In fact, when we get done, Eric, I'll send you a link. You can have a private link. But anybody else out there listening, go to Stand Up Comedy or host an MC. And the show for Wednesday is a tribute to uh, my relationship with Bob Saget. He was a great guy. You know, he was very funny. Uh, another side story about Bob and most I think most people know now, but he's a really filthy comic. Very yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> but he was really dirty. I mean, when they did the movie, The Aristocrats, everybody said he was the best. Yeah. And uh, and then he gets full house where he's playing Danny Tanner, you know, Mr. Clean Cut, you know, TV show host or whatever he was. In fact, when he came back to play for me after Full House was out, 
we'd have parents call up and say, you know, I want to bring my eight-year-old in and meet Danny Tanner. And it was like, no, (laughs) Bob Saget doesn't do the kind of show you want your eight-year-old to see, right? But uh, when you listen to my tribute to him, you'll hear some of his material and why it wasn't filthy. It was just funny, dirty. And he used to do a lot of music and he would take popular songs and make them dirty. And that's also on the tribute. And uh, so a lot of people don't know he's a really good musician and a really nice guy. In fact, I opened my club in 1980 and in 1981, I was starting to make some money and I wanted to get the word out. So I made a couple TV commercials. So I produced them. But uh, Bob Saget directed and, and wrote these two commercials for me. Uh, in one, I get thrown off a building. And in the other, I get hit by a car. Hmm, I was wondering if he was trying to tell me something. <laughs> but uh, the audio version of those two commercials are also on the uh, uh, tribute to Bob. But he did those uh, commercials for me for free. He just wanted to help me succeed. He was trying to teach me about the business. And uh, we, we had a really strong friendship. I have to make it clear uh, to everybody that uh, it wasn't the kind of friendship that we saw each other all the time. In fact, we'd exchanged some messages, but I hadn't been in the same room with him for probably 30 years. But from 1980 to 1992, uh, he worked for me many, many, many times and did lots of radio and TV. And we did a lot of special things together. He was a great guy and very sad and shocking. He's actually a year younger than me, and I was totally taken aback. He was supposed to uh, be interviewed for my podcast, but we figured, oh, we got plenty of time. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's it, it's it's a sad thing, but if everybody that listens to your podcast understands that he was a special guy when it came to comedy, but also a, a really nice guy. And I know when they uh, do the autopsy, they'll find he wasn't a big drinker. He didn't do drugs. And, um, you know, everybody's supposing it's a heart attack. We'll see. But he was a good guy, you know, not, not, you know, there's some people that have passed on. You go, well, I'm not that surprised. Yeah. You know, they were into drugs or they lived a hard life. Uh, none of that fits uh, Mr. Saget. He was uh, terrific. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everybody seems to say. I mean, I've seen nothing but positive messages online, but um, before we get off here, you, uh, you want to plug your pluggables? Oh, yeah. You know, just share with the folks that uh, if you have any interest in uh, show business or stand up comedy, my website, scottscomedystuff.com. I, that's a tough one, right? Scottscomedystuff.com. And you'll find things like a, a, a comedy course that you can take. Uh, I just finished a book. Uh, it's out on Amazon called 20 Questions Answered about being a stand up comic that uh, will help somebody that wants to get into show business. And then my podcast, which we were talking about, the bonus show for Mr. Saget, uh, my friend Bob. Uh, there's a weekly show where I interview professional comics and entertainers, and it's called Stand Up Comedy. You're hosted MC, and you can find it on all the directories, Apple, Spotify, you name it. All right. Excellent. Well, yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on. I mean, unless you have any last-minute stories where you remembered something insane you did well you asked me specifically about childhood uh mayhem and that's what i shared with you but uh, <laughs> uh and being a true crime site uh, that's probably the best fitting you ever want to uh just talk about uh comedy and working with people like jay leno and ray romano and and uh pat paulson harry anderson i could go on and on name dropping there's lots of great stories or hey just listen to the podcast but uh i appreciate you guys having me on it was really fun and, and kind of uh, uh, nostalgic to think back and, and think yeah. of these stories. 
and, and share them with you. So thank you for uh, asking. Okay. Um, this episode will be out uh, next Thursday, so I will send you the info. Yeah, if on you it. get a chance to send me a link, I'll blast it out on social media and, and talk about it. Make sure everybody gets a chance to check out your podcast. Thanks so much. All right. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Scotty. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and we're back. All right. So that was Scott. Yeah, Scott Edwards. Uh, so, yeah. No, he was fun. Yeah. Like, yeah he was all about telling the story and I just didn't want to like take any of the steam away. Yeah. But he, I, I started talking about the Fiesta Square thing where we'd all cruise around. Oh, the, the ending of that story. <laughs> yeah, uh, I caught that. Yeah. We would make like two or three circles and realize, you know, none of us were going to lose their virginity for a few more years. <laughs> so we'd get out of the circle and behind the grocery store, and going towards the theater, there was a back alleyway that like went all the way behind yeah. all of them. You know, we would get these grocery carts and then asshole it down the alleyway behind the grocery store, going to the movie theater, and then let them go out of the car window. You know, yeah. And uh, they would hit this curb. There was a big wooden privacy fence with houses on the other side. And we were always just like, oh yeah, one day we're gonna get one to flip over into the yard. It was just like the front wheels would hit the curb and they just flipping and yeah, slam into the fence. But one day we did actually get one over the fence, and it was not as exciting as we like. It wasn't as celebratory as we thought it was going to be. We were like, "Oh, oh, fuck, we did it!" <laughs> and got out of there. So I think you're about to call me out on this too. I saw you make a face, and then so I, he was talking about ripping off side views. And then I compared it to toilet paper in your house and not being, being like, eh. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to point out that, like, eh, being okay with having your house toilet papered is not quite the same as being okay with someone coming by and ripping no, off your side. <laughs> that face was because I have done that same. What? Just blew off, like? The side view mirrors. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> me and I think, like, four or five other guys really drunk and I don't know why I don't know who did I don't remember who did the first one but we vandalized multiple views we kicked off in the double digits <laughs> and like somebody was one of the guys was actually driving us around and like ooh here's some good ones and we would just like run and kick them right off and then grab them and collect them and I like, I don't, I, I don't know this part of it, but the next day, like, a couple of the guys were like, oh, my God, I can't believe we did that. Drove out to the lake and, like, put them in a bag and sunk them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, I had forgotten this happened, too. I have not, like, gone through, I mean, I, you guys were ripping them off with your hands, right? <laughs> no, we would just, like, kick them off. They'd kick off really easy. Don't try it. Because, like, seriously, when he was talking about it, and he was, like, talking about how bad he feels... Yeah, dude, it sucks. I feel so shitty about it. Like, throwing a scooter off the bridge level shitty. <laughs> uh, like, I, I think I just understood repressed memories because I blocked it out, and as soon as he said it, 
Yeah, I couldn't even hide it in my face, apparently. Okay. Well, so yeah, as you were sitting there saying this, I thought, like, I'd never done, like, yeah, mailbox baseball or anything like that. But yeah, as you were sitting there telling that story, I have driven around with friends, and I swear we had a tactical baton, but there might have been some other things. And yeah, we were just smashing side views. So we definitely knocked some free as well. I know I've hit some that, like, didn't give at all and fucked my hands or arm up, too. Yeah. yeah. No, the the fucked up thing is, like, I was definitely doing it in my own neighborhood. Just driving around, like, you know, probably could see my house from where I was doing it. So, yeah. Just fucking up my neighbors, my poor neighbors who were already poor as shit. I mean, I remember uh, at one part of the night, we, I think we parked at one side of a parking garage, like multiple level parking deck. And we just kind of like fanned out and started running back towards the car and just like taking as many mirrors as we could on our way back to the car. And I remember there was uh, me and another guy kind of like went between two vehicles and he was getting one mirror and I was getting the other. And I watched him like completely miss and eat shit. And he like (laughs) bumped his dome on the cement and had a big, Fucking not on it. <laughs> yeah. It may have had a concussion. Slept it <laughs> off. It was fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I only did it. I, I do remember, like, we went around smashing some side views. And then, like, everybody thought it was so fun that we made plans to do it the next night. And I think maybe some people were like, ooh, look, I got a new stick. A new side view smashing <laughs> stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Like... The next day, all of us were pretty uh, ashamed of ourselves. But it yeah. was like, like, what do you even do to pick up for that? Uh, Try and find vehicles without buy, mirrors and like, buy side match views. up the colors and <laughs> leave it on their vehicle with an apology note? I, I don't know. Just give out $20 to everybody you see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm side views cost more than that. So I had my side view mirror smashed uh, one Halloween like four or five years ago. And it was a similar thing where I was just like, ah, damn. I was annoyed, but I was like, damn kids, Halloween. I was like, ah, and just kind of shook my fist. And I never, I still haven't fixed that mirror. It's, <laughs> it, it's still a mirror. It's just got a big spider web cracking and a chunk missing out of the middle. <laughs> but it works. <clears throat> It was uh, working. It was after the side view mirror extravaganza, but I was working at a bar. But when I came back out to my car, my passenger side window was busted out, and I had like a messenger bag with books and stuff in it, and it was gone. Like absolutely nothing of value. It was actually after I started pulling off, saw that they'd like noticed that there was nothing worth of value in it, and just tossed it under my car. But it was like. <laughs> I wasn't even like I mean I was bummed out for sure it sucked but at the same time I was like that karma thing man yep universe paid it forward so I knew this guy who had his tailgate stolen and he told me about it the next day and he was a pretty you know normal guy but probably hadn't he'd be a really boring guest if we had him on the show because he really had doesn't do much but he's like oh man what do I do like I gotta go buy a new tailgate I was like just steal another tailgate that's what I told him I said <laughs> I was like, just pay it forward. Then that, that's how your tailgate ended up missing. Someone had their tailgate stolen. <laughs> and tailgates come off so easy. 
They like, yeah, they basically just pop into place. They don't have anything holding them down. There's no screws involved. So if you have your tailgate stolen, just steal another one. <laughs> I mean, the fancy ones that have like steps and microwaves built into them and shit. Those, those. <laughs> the 3,000 thread count Wi-Fi tailgates. Yeah, yeah. Those, those you can't, don't steal those. To replace yours, <laughs> but you can't anyways. They have like alarms and laser beams on them and stuff. So. <laughs> but the, it's unsecured system. <laughs> yeah. But the regular one, the non-transformer tailgates are—they just pop on. They're held on by some cords and and like just fucking gravity. <laughs> That's it. I think you should stop telling listeners to just do that. <laughs> okay. But, all right. You got anything else you want to throw out there? <laughs> No. Okay. So, yeah. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, check us out on social medias at true.criminals.podcast. You can email us at truecriminalsjailpod at gmail.com. And, yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, until next time, I'm Eric. And I'm Scotty. And this was True Criminals. <laughs>